0: Welcome to Finding Freedom with Inspire Wellness. I'm Gemma, a body image and food freedom coach, anti-diet advocate, and your ultimate hype girl. I'm here to empower you with inspiration, education, and motivation, so that you can start living as your happiest and healthiest self, whatever that means to you. I spent years struggling with food, my body, and my mental health, until I finally found freedom. Now I'm on a mission to make sure that nobody goes through what I did and to burn diet culture to the ground while I'm at it. I'm obsessed with helping women to ditch the diets, love their bodies, feel confident AF, create sustainable habits, improve their mindset and become their next level selves. So what are we waiting for? Let's do this. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. Now, before we start this, I'm just going to flag if you can hear panting in the background, I promise it's not me. It is my dog. I stupidly played footy with her right before recording the podcast. And now she's just panting a lot <laughs> because I'm in Victoria at the moment. I'm here for the next like five weeks, I think, when this comes out, four weeks. So I'm down at my holiday house at the moment at the beach with my dog and it is just the best. So I wasn't actually going to do this episode today, but all of the signs have pointed me here. Like, so since I'm staying at the beach, I walked down for a morning swim this morning in my bikini in the ocean and I just wasn't even thinking about what my body looked like or I wasn't feeling self-conscious at all, which still blows my mind to this day when that happens, because it's so different from how I used to be. I was also like when I was in the ocean, I was just reflecting because like the ocean always makes me feel really reflective and deep thoughty. And I was reflecting on how life just feels so much easier these days. And I'm so much more resilient when problems crop up, which more on that in a minute, because I definitely want to talk about that properly in this episode. And then I came back and I was in the shower and Spotify was just randomly shuffling songs and the songs that were coming up were things like It's Nice to Be Alive by Ballpark Music and Lovely Day by Bill Withers. And all of these songs just made me reflect even more on how freaking good life is now. So all of these things just conspired to get me to change the episode and to talk about what my life used to look like and what it looks like now. And then what I think we can all take away from this as well. So often I get asked, what prompted me to make a change? Back when I was struggling, what prompted me to make a change? Like what was my rock bottom moment? Now, I don't actually think we have to have rock bottom moments to make a change. That's a really common misconception. and I also think it's a really dangerous one because it makes people feel like they have to be really, really unwell or like they have to officially have an eating disorder before they can invest in themselves or before they can devote their energy to being different. And that is such a BS, such BS. So this week I actually had two new clients start with me and both of them told me that one of the things that really prompted them to reach out, to get started, to make a change was turning 30 this year and realizing that they don't actually want to spend another 30 years or more feeling this way. And, oh, that hits, right? (laughs) I think having big birthdays like that can often make us reflect, but Yes, 30 seems to be a big one for a lot of people. We get through the shit show of our 20s a lot of the time and it's like, I don't want to do this anymore. But yet I say this, I've had clients in their 60s who are making a change. So there's no wrong time to make a change except waiting. You know what? Waiting is the wrong change. The right time to make a change is right now, basically. You don't need to have a rock bottom moment. You don't need to have some big like revelation Anything that prompts you to make a change is great. Whether it's turning 30, turning 40, turning 50, something else, anything is good. So for me, I knew that there was something wrong for ages before I got help, but I didn't get help because I really just thought I wasn't like sick or I wasn't bad enough. And I used to constantly, because obviously I knew there was, there was something wrong. I knew that it wasn't right. I knew that it wasn't normal to be feeling the way that it was. So I used to look up diagnostic criteria for eating disorders and things like that quite regularly, but I thought, well, I don't fit quite into them. So I must be okay because I don't tick all the boxes or I don't feel like I tick all of the boxes. So therefore I must be fine. That must be fine because if you don't have a diagnosed eating disorder, then you're all good, right? (laughs) So instead of thinking that I had an eating disorder or even just that there was something normal going on. Like that what was happening was a normal thing that lots of other people were experiencing and like it was a common thing. I didn't think that. I thought I was broken. I truly believed that nobody else was dealing with the things that I was, that nobody else was going through it and that it was actually my fault that I was feeling this way. So I believed that there was something wrong with me, that everyone else could do it. They could all eat healthy and feel good about their bodies and like themselves, but that just wasn't ever going to be possible for me because there was something fundamentally wrong with me at my core. Like I wasn't motivated enough and I was born without the willpower gene. I used to like to say that. I thought I was just programmed to be this bottomless pit who ate everything in sight and whose body physically couldn't look like a beauty ideal. And therefore I would never be good enough or pretty enough or worthy enough. And it's almost funny now, like, well, it's one of those, like you have to laugh or you'll cry situations, But it's almost funny when I look back and I realize that so many women, maybe even the vast majority of women, were feeling the exact same way that I did or had felt that way at some point. Because most women I speak to now tell me that they feel the exact same way, and yet We all think that we're the only ones and that's why I'm so freaking passionate about sharing and about being open because it takes away some of the guilt and the shame when we realize that we're not alone and that's why the Confidence Code, which is my online program, which is open right now to join if you're listening live, is a group program because I've seen the way that being surrounded by a community of women who understand exactly what you're going through can create these magical shifts because it gives you evidence that you're not broken. You're not alone and that you don't need to hide anymore. So I can share my rock bottom moments now. I can share all of those things that I was so embarrassed about and that I thought meant there was something wrong with me to show you that if you can relate to any of them, then you're not alone. You're not alone if you refuse to have a sip of water in the morning before you've emptied your body out, let's say that, before you've done a workout to sweat as much as possible and then weighed yourself because you want the number to be as low as possible. You're not alone if you've panicked, went out for dinner with friends or on a date because you don't know how many grams of chicken the restaurant has used in this dish. So therefore, you can't track it in my fitness pal and know if it fits your macros or calories. You're not alone if you've checked your Fitbit at 10pm and realized you're only on 9,500 steps, so you've got to walk laps of the lounge room until you reach 10,000. You're not alone if you've dreaded seeing people you love but haven't seen in a while because you're worried that they'll notice that your body has changed and so you try and get out of going. You're not alone if you've convinced yourself that you actually prefer eating Halo Top instead of ice cream or that you enjoy banana mixed with protein powder then microwaved and called it cookie dough. You're not alone if you weighed the butter that you were putting on your hot cross bun so you could track it properly. You're not alone if you've injured yourself and instead of giving yourself the time and space to recover, you've panicked and forced yourself to exercise through the pain because you can't take more than one day off. You're not alone if you've binged on weird concoctions like raw oats with cacao powder and honey because you don't allow sweet stuff in your house because you don't trust yourself around it. You're not alone if you've cried in changing rooms because you caught a glimpse of yourself from an angle you don't normally see. You're not alone if you've judged other people for what they're wearing when really you're just jealous that you're too afraid to wear something like that yourself. You're not alone if you've scrolled pictures of food for hours and hours because you wouldn't let yourself eat it, but you can't resist looking at it. You're not alone if you've Googled liposuction and plastic surgery and thought about starting some kind of shady business so that you could actually afford it. You're not alone if you've done any of these things or anything else like it, because for one thing, these are all things that I've done and they're things that I've heard from other women that they have done. There are countless other women out there who are doing the exact same things. So no, you're not alone. But it also doesn't mean that it's normal. It doesn't mean that you have to keep putting up with it. You don't have to wait until you have some big, over-the-top, rock-bottom kind of moment before you get help or before you deserve to get yourself out of it. Like, why wait until you've reached that point? Because it is so much harder to do once you get there. So my rock-bottom moment wasn't even particularly worse than any of the other moments, really. But I think it was the moment that it really clicked that what was happening wasn't okay. And that I needed to get help because I just couldn't do it on my own any longer. So I'd already started seeing a psychologist for depression and for anxiety, but I hadn't really mentioned any of the food stuff to her again, because I didn't feel like it was something that needed to be fixed. I thought that I just needed to do better or that it was like some missing part of me that could never be found or never be created. So my mum had sent me this beautiful gift basket for my birthday, filled with all of my favourite Tasmanian things, all my favourite Tasmanian treats. And she'd put so much love and care and thoughtfulness into it. And I freaked out because I couldn't have so many delicious things in my house, things that I told myself that I wasn't allowed to eat. So I binged on it and I ate the entire thing in one sitting. And once I'd finished, I have never, ever felt shame like that. And I still feel that shame so deeply even now, like saying this. And I know I've said this on the podcast before. I've talked about this before. I feel sick when I talk about this. I get that pit in my stomach, that visceral reaction of myself. It makes me emotional. It makes me, it makes me feel unwell sharing this because I still feel that shame so deeply even now. Like, I don't know, I've got this thing about people not appreciating gifts or things that other people have done for them. Like nothing, nothing else gets to me like that. And so I had this like double whammy of you've just eaten so much food, and also your mum put so much care into that, and you're so ungrateful and so disgusting for not appreciating it. And I can honestly say that I did not want to be on this planet anymore. Like I had to physically hold on to my doona. I'm sitting on my bed, holding onto my doona to try and keep myself in my bedroom, because if I left my bedroom, I didn't know what I'd do to myself. I was absolutely freaking <laughs> terrified. Like I had a panic attack sitting there and I just had this big realization of, I can't go on like this. The thought of having to live the rest of my life feeling this way was too big, too scary, too impossible. So I had two options in that situation. And thank God the option I chose was getting help. So when I saw my psychologist a few days later, I told her about what had happened and how I was feeling And I can still remember her saying, ah, okay, so it sounds like food might be an issue for you, right? And yet weirdly, it still kind of surprised me. I was like, oh, no, um, no, that's not it. Like, I just have to do better. I just have to not have stuff like that in the house and then nothing bad will happen. And that, my friends, is the day I got diagnosed with an eating disorder. (laughs) But like I said, you don't have to be in that dark place where you don't want to live anymore for it to be bad enough to seek support. So what that experience taught me was that you've got two options, stay the same or do something about it and change. And in some ways it would have been easier to stay where I was like getting myself out of that mindset and that relationship with food and with my body was hard, particularly because I let myself get to such a low point. And also because I didn't really have the best path out of it. I didn't have the best way out of it. So like while my psychologist was great for depression, great for anxiety, and she really supported me there. It didn't feel like she understood what I was going through when it came to food in my body. So I'd look at her and I just think, you've got no idea what I'm going through, which is not true. And like, you can't tell that by looking at someone. I especially know that now with the work I do. But at the time, that's how I felt. And I remember a time that she asked me what I'd eaten in a binge. And I told her, which honestly was an unholy amount of food. And she was like, oh, that's not so bad. And I felt so invalidated. And again, like, you have no idea. What are you talking about? It made me lose trust for her because I knew it was actually bad. Like I knew it was bad. And yet she was telling me that it wasn't. So we did all this work. We did so much work, but nothing was clicking. And I didn't feel like I was getting better. And I mean, when I look back on it, I'm not surprised that it didn't really work for me because it was kind of basic surface level stuff. Like this is nothing against her. She was a good psychologist. And I'm sure that's exactly what her textbooks told her to do. But that's the thing it was textbook stuff that felt like textbook stuff. So I had to do my own work because I wasn't choosing that option of staying the same. I was choosing the option of doing something about it and changing. So it was still a choice, a choice I had to keep making over and over and over and over. So when therapy didn't work, I read a book. When that book didn't work, I read another book. And then I listened to an audiobook, and then I read articles on the internet, and then I followed 75 million other people on Instagram, and then I read another book. And every single day, I made the choice to do something about it until the things I was doing worked because I wanted it. I wanted it so bad. I wanted it to be normal. I wanted to just be okay with my body. Like, I didn't even need to like it. I wanted to be able to think about things that weren't just food. I wanted to be able to eat a meal without guilt or shame. I wanted to be able to date instead of hiding myself away because I was ashamed of my body. And I think this is where a lot of people go wrong. They don't do anything about it. or they do one thing and it doesn't work instantly. So they go into like, oh, poor me mode. And they don't keep going, which I get. Oh my gosh, I get it. I can't tell you how many times I wanted to give up. I started slipping into that mindset of, oh, it's too hard. It'll never work for me a bajillion times. But the difference is that I didn't quit. And that's why I can stand here today and tell you that I'm 100% fine in my relationship with food and my body. I genuinely accept my body no matter what. I genuinely feel really good about what I eat. And yes, it's hard. It is hard to go through this process. It's hard to get out of your comfort zone because right now, binging and overeating and restricting is your comfort zone. It's hard to keep trying day after day when you keep getting knocked down. It's hard when you feel like you're making progress and then something happens and you feel like you're back at square one. But if you just keep focusing on how hard it is, it's always going to be hard. If you keep giving all of your attention to how difficult it is and letting it hold you back from going for it, then it's always going to be hard. So do something about it because I can tell you right now, like it's not just all of the amazing benefits of food, freedom and body acceptance that you get. I don't need to tell you what they are because you listen to this podcast. So, you know, everything else in life gets easier. Everything. That's not an exaggeration. Like when shit happens in life, it doesn't knock you about as hard because you don't have this constant baseline struggle. Like when you're struggling with food and with your body, you're living your life at a constant five out of 10 hard. You're always at least a five. And then when something else happens, it pushes you up to a seven or an eight and life starts feeling really freaking hard because when this little thing that's happened really shouldn't have you struggling that much, but it's all magnified because you've got all of these other difficulties going on underneath. Everything feels ridiculous and awful and like you're getting sucked into this black hole. Whereas if you only had the top level struggles without the food and body stuff, it would be okay. You'd be able to manage them. You'd be at a two or a three on the hard factor scale instead of a seven or an eight. And you can handle a two or three. Anyone can handle a two or three, right? You'd be like, mm, I can get through this. I can handle this one thing because I don't have 35 other difficult things that I'm dealing with 24 7. So let me give you an example. Last week, I was launching the new version of the confidence code. Exciting stuff. And also, doors are open for 48 more hours if you are listening to this live. <laughs> but When doors are open, I'm always going to be super active on my social media. I'm going to be jumping on my stories, having a chat, showing up on reels, just generally like showing my face, putting my face out there. But at the start of last week, just before doors opened, I burst multiple blood vessels in my eye and it looked absolutely cooked. Like I walked into an optometrist and they went, kind of cooked. (laughs) So literally like the whole thing was filled with blood. My iris and my pupil were a weird color too. I had bruising around my eye on my eyelid. I genuinely looked terrifying. Like I'd been punched or like I'd been possessed by a demon. Now, if that had happened when I was already at a baseline, five out of 10 struggle because of food and body issues, it would have pushed me over the edge. I would have freaked out. I would have panicked and felt like I had to cancel the entire launch. And then double panicked because organization queen that I am, I've already got my whole year mapped out and pushing this back would mess that up. So I would have gone into serious, like, poor me, my life is awful kind of mode, but I'm not struggling with food or with my body anymore. I don't have that baseline struggle. My baseline is zero now. So this happening just took me to like a two, one of those struggles where I could basically just laugh it off and go, well, this is shit timing, but that's okay. It's not the end of the world. I can still show up online. I can still talk on my stories while looking like a possessed demon. Who really cares? Whatever. And honestly, like the start of 2024 for me has kind of been full of examples for this. I've had COVID during one of the busiest work periods of my life. I've had injury and illness that has meant that I couldn't run for most of the first six weeks of the year while I'm training for a half marathon, which is in less than two months. I've had some issues with the bank that could have really stressed me out. Like there's been a bunch of things, but I just feel fine. Fine like I can get over those things quickly. I can say "Mm, it is what it is and move on with my life. I can accept them. Yes, obviously they've been a bit frustrating. Obviously I've had moments where I've been like, oh my God, really? But like, I haven't let them suck me back into that black hole of stress and of despair that I would have had back when I hated my body and when I was constantly battling food. I can be realistic and logical and controlled now. And there's no way in hell that I would have been able to do that before because that underlying five out of 10 hard factor, I am so much more resilient in every single area of my life. And that's not something we think about when we think about the benefits that come with choosing to do something about it, choosing to change, choosing to grow and overcome all of your food and body shit, (laughs) but far out, it has got to be one of the best benefits out there. So when you hear me say that life is so much easier when you have food and body freedom, this is one of the things that I'm talking about. It feels bloody incredible. So I feel like I've just given you a whole lot in this episode. So here's what I want you to take away. I'm going to summarize them into some nice little dot points for you. First thing, you are not alone. You are not broken. And things can get better if you let them. Second thing, don't wait for your rock bottom moment to seek support. You are worthy of more right now. You get to choose whether you stay the same or whether you do something about it and change. And also, not choosing is a choice. If you keep focusing on how hard it is, it's always going to be hard. And finally, everything gets easier once you take away the baseline food and body bullshit. (laughs) And a bonus takeaway for you, the confidence code is the thing that's going to help you with all of this. And doors are only open until tomorrow, so you'd better be listening to this live. The link is in the show notes for that one. I will hopefully see you in there, but otherwise I'll see you next week.